Amen. Thank you. Appreciate that. And uh, what a true message in song. God never makes mistakes. He makes no mistakes, as the song says. And uh, sometimes in our life, we think, uh, at least maybe, maybe I, I think that. I don't know if you think it, but I think, God, what are you doing? Uh, are you sure this is right? I mean, uh, but I promise you this, God makes no mistakes. He's not a man. Uh, he, doesn't, he doesn't say, whoops, I just did that. Uh, that's not what God does. Um, it reminds me of a joke, but I, I can't remember it all, so I will not try to tell you. It's, I'm, I'm bad at jokes. But uh, open your Bibles, if you will, to Romans chapter 1, so I'll forego the jokes. Romans chapter number 1, and as you're turning there to Romans chapter 1, remember we've been going through the book of Romans here, and, and of course Romans is written to uh, the churches, or not the churches rather, but to all that be in Rome, beloved of God. In other words, he's writing the Christians that are in Rome, and, and as we have stated, uh, that's probably several churches, uh, and it's made up of mixed audiences of uh, Gentiles and Jews, and so Throughout the book of, of Romans, he will bring it up several times uh, that the gospel is both for the Jew and for the Gentile. And that's important for us to understand. And as you're turning to Romans chapter number 1, um, I want, I've entitled the message this evening, Revelation. Uh, Revelation. You say, well, we're in the book of Romans. Yes, we are. The word revelation simply means to be revealed. Uh, and to show something. It literally means to reveal something or make it known. In our text, we'll find that uh, clearly laid out here in the text as we'll look at that. Um, and, and so let's go ahead and read that. Romans chapter number 1. We'll pick it up in verse number 16. And I will not spend a lot of time there, but that kind of sets the context for our, for our following verses. Romans 1.16, the Bible says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath showed it unto them. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power, and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. And we'll stop right there. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for today. We thank You just for Your goodness to us. God, I pray that You'd use me. I pray, Father, that You'd speak through me as we uh, look at this text tonight. And God, help us to grasp the message that You would have us to learn out of this text. And God, help us to be uh, encouraged. Help us to be uh, edified this evening and from Your Word. God, I pray that You would just again uh, touch hearts. And God, thank You for each and every person that is here and those who have tuned in online. Father, we thank You again uh, for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. 
Amen. As we look at this text, uh, we're going to look at the revelation. And, and as I said, that means literally to reveal something. Um, and I want to say this. Uh, sometimes you don't appreciate something until you don't have it. Um, sometimes, we'll, we'll use this illustration, most everyone can re relate to the fact of if you've lost a loved one, a lot of times you don't appreciate that loved one until they're gone. And you're like, wow, I didn't realize how much I missed my grandpa. I didn't realize how much I missed my aunt. I didn't realize how much I missed that person uh, that used to be a part of my life and now is no longer here. And you, you, we take for granted a lot of things. A lot of things that we don't understand or we take for granted about every one of us, maybe every one of us in this room, maybe not some so much, but, uh, but we take our, for granted our ability to walk, our ability to touch, our ability to hear, our ability to see. And when you lose that ability, uh, you know how much you truly needed that. Um, and, and some people, uh, they do. They, they realize after that's gone, you realize how much you have taken that for granted. And we tend to take the fact that we have a completed Bible for granted. We really do. I want you to think about these people in Rome as we think about the revelation and that God had revealed several things to them. I want you to understand that uh, when, when Paul was penning uh, the book of Romans, I want you to think about this for a moment. The Gospel of Matthew had yet to be written. The Gospel of Mark had not been written. The Gospel of Luke and the Gospel of John had not been written. Now let me ask you something just for a moment. Think about this. Where would you be if you didn't have the gospel? What would your life be like? We, we really, we, we, we ought to read this book every day of your life. I've had this book for years. Uh, in growing up, I can't remember a day in my life when I have not known that the Word of God is the Word of God and that, that I have access to it. And, and I can't remember a day in my life not having uh, three or four Bibles that are accessible to our hands' reach. They're on this bookshelf and that bookshelf, and, and we've got, I've got a Bible. Bibles in my office and a couple Bibles at home and, and, and just Bible. We are, we are so surrounded by it that really it's hard. We, we often take for granted the fact that uh, these people, especially there in Rome, they did not have the completed Word of God. They may have had an Old Testament, but even at that, it was written in Hebrew. And the common language for the Gentile people was Greek. They were not able to read the Old Testament. They were not able to read the book of Exodus or Genesis or, uh, or all those uh, Old Testament books. And so just for a moment, just envision, wow, what would my life really be like if I did not have access to the Word of God? And so Paul is writing to these people who do not have access to the Word of God. They don't have the completed Bible. And, uh, and, and he's clearly going to show them that three things that are revealed uh, through God, that God has revealed unto them. And that's why I've entitled the, the message tonight, Revelation. We're not in the book of Revelation, we're in the book of Roman, but it's things that God has revealed unto them. Look with me at verse number 16 and 17. 
the Bible says, well, go to 17. The Bible says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. And the therein is therefore the gospel that is proclaimed in, in uh, verse number 16. So that's why we included 16 for context, because he's talking about the gospel and how it changes life. Now listen, the life of Jesus Christ was introduced to the world, and prior to this, the world had never seen a sinless life. Now, we, many of you, have, have been in church for a long time. We've had access to the Word of God. I see, From the nursery growing up, I've always known and recognized that, hey, Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. I was taught that in Sunday school. I've been taught that my whole life. But if you think about it, in their time, and in their, uh, the time of this writing, which would have been right around uh, the late 59 A.D. or 60 A.D., somewhere in there, just about 30 years after uh, Jesus had died on the cross, uh, and, and still the gospel had not been written down yet, and they, so Paul is bearing testimony to the fact that, hey, Jesus Christ showed us what righteousness is. And Jesus' life proclaimed righteousness by His sinlessness. In other words, the fact that Jesus did not sin. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 2.21, it says, For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow His steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth. You think about the fact that, hey, we've been taught that. Uh, we know that. We, we, there's many verses. We can go back and read the Gospels, but yet for them, uh, they did not understand that. And Paul goes through and he covers the uh, idea of sin and he covers the idea of, of righteousness. Matter of fact, the word righteousness is used uh, many, many times throughout the book of Romans. Why? Because it was a whole new concept to them that somebody could live a right and a perfect life not the people, but Jesus Christ, uh, was something that was totally foreign to them. Even the Jewish people, they knew that they could not be righteous. The law, uh, as, we go through the, as we've gone through the book of Galatians, the law was given to point out their imperfections so that they would realize, man, I keep trying, and every time I try, I messing up, and I break this law, or I break that law, and, and I keep transgressing, and they would have to bring a, a sacrifice to the temple because of that sin that they had in their life. And it showed them their imperfection. But the life of Jesus Christ was a life of perfection. And it was a witness to them. It was a testimony of the righteousness. That verse that we read in Peter, the Bible says, uh, neither was guile found in his mouth. The word guile means cunning, deceit in a bad sense. You know, the tongue is difficult to control. And to be honest with you, um, there's, we could just go with the tongue alone and say there is none righteous, no, not one. I mean, we've all slipped up and said something we should not have said. We've all made some snide comment here or there. We've all, uh, with our mouth, uh, belittled somebody or uh, lied or told something that is not good. Could, and we can't even begin to imagine that Jesus Christ would live His whole life and never say a bad thing or never say a wrong thing. 
that's amazing to me. Because we are sinners by nature. And we struggle to control our tongue. But Jesus is God. And He clearly displays that throughout His text in the book of Romans. And so Jesus' life reveals perfection to, man, to, to humanity, to mankind. Uh, it is revealed through Jesus Christ. And I want you to notice that this is what separates um, Jesus from all other religions. You know what? Mary, she's in the Bible. She's not perfect. She's not. The Bible never proclaims that Mary is perfect. Uh, Muhammad, he was a prophet. He was not perfect. There's no other perfect person on the face of the earth in the history of mankind going backwards and going forward. There never will be a perfect person because we are sinners by nature. But Jesus Christ in the Gospel, uh, He revealed perfection unto us. And listen, that's important for us to understand. He says here that, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. Not just in Jesus' life, but I want you to notice that uh, perfection is revealed in the justified life. Not that we are perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but listen, justified uh, is the fact that, hey, our debt of sin has been erased. We're not perfect, but we're justified. And listen, um, that's important. And that's a testimony to the lost and dying world. That's a life that we ought to live and we ought to display to the lost and dying world. Listen, if, if you were drowning in debt, let's say you had debt coming out your ears and, and you were like, man, I'm about to, I am right on the verge of filing bankruptcy because I have no way to pay this debt and it, it is engulfing my life. And some, some guy comes along and says, you know what? I'm going to pay off every bit of your debt. And, and, and he does that, pays off every stitch of your debt. And you get a fresh, clean start. It would be foolish to go out and needlessly acquire a whole bunch more debt. It'd be foolish. And listen, that's what Jesus has done for us. He has, he has wiped our slate of sin clean. And listen, we have a fresh, clean slate we ought to live a right life. It's foolish to dive headlong back into sin and live a wicked, sinful life uh, that we once lived. Because He has justified us. He has made us righteousness. And the Bible says uh, that not just in the life of Jesus Christ, but hey, in our life, uh, we, can, we can proclaim the Lord Jesus Christ. And, uh, and other people can see that, hey, we're Christians. Our life is to be like Christ in Romans chapter number 12 and verses 1 and 2, uh, two of my favorite verses in the Bible. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy. Boy, there's an important word. Holy. Our, Bible, our, our bodies are to be presented holy. The next word, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Then he goes on and he says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, that would be changed, 
by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. In other words, God expects us uh, to present our bodies and say, God, I want to live for you. Listen, there's got to be a transformation of our mind, as it says. Be not conformed to this world. Listen, the world is constantly pulling and saying, hey, uh, why don't you live like this? Hey, why don't you do what we're doing? Hey, why don't you uh, come here? Why don't you go there? Why don't you uh, do this and do that? And it is constantly pulling us and drawing us to conform to the image of the world. But God is saying, hey, we need to be transformed. That means changed by the renewing of our mind. In other words, that we would allow the Word of God to change the way we think and change the way we act, that, hey, we would live a life that, a Christ, that would honor the Lord Jesus Christ. And in that, hey, Christ is revealed to the world. Some people, the only Bible that they will ever see is your life. They might have access to the Bible. They can go to, as Pastor said this morning, they can go to Ollie's. They can go to the dollar store. They can go to Walmart and buy a Bible. They can. But they're not going to. And your life might be the only reflection of Jesus Christ that they will ever see in their lifetime. And so we see the revelation of perfection through Jesus Christ and a justified life through the believer. We ought to live holy and we ought to live righteous. Not only that, can we see the revelation of, of, a, a, of perfection, but I want you to notice as well the revelation of punishment. Look with me at verse number 18. He says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Now we have the punishment that is revealed. We have perfection that is revealed. We have punishment that is revealed. And he says here, uh, punishment uh, is revealed from, or the wrath of God is revealed from heaven. Uh, listen, even in the gospel, the wrath of God can be seen. Let me ask you this. If there were no punishment for sin, then what is salvation? It, it's nothing, really. It's not even salvation. It's a gift to a perfect place in eternity. If there was no hell, if there was no punishment for sin, there's nothing to be saved from. By just the definition of the word saved implies that there is impending danger. If you are in a house that is in, on fire and somebody rushes in and they grab you and they drag you out of that house, what have they done? They saved you from impending danger. That house was about to burn down. If you're in the street and somebody uh, and a bus is coming and you don't see it and somebody runs across the street and grabs you and carries you out of the street, they saved you from impending danger. And so just by the word of salvation implies that, hey, there is impending danger. There is wrath of God that from heaven that is going to be revealed to men. And he's saying, listen, uh, the fact that we need to be saved reveals that there is a punishment for those who are not saved. Listen, the Bible is very clear in Romans chapter 6 and verse 23. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. What is death as you think about it? 
Well, the one side of death that we know about is physical death. We, we're very conscientious of that. People are born and people die and every single day people pass into eternity and we're well acquainted with that because uh, almost everyone, uh, I'm sure in this room, has had uh, some form of brush with death, whether it's a grandparent or a distant relative or maybe even a friend that has passed off and they've died. Uh, but what is death? Well, the Bible talks about that and gives us three things that death is. Death is spiritual death. You remember in the garden... When God said, uh, the day that you eat of it, thou shalt surely die. Now, we look at that, and we say, well, Adam didn't die physically, and he didn't die physically, but spiritually, he died. That day, he died. And from that time forward, uh, listen, we are dead in our sins. The Bible says that in Ephesians chapter 2, and verse number 1, he says, and you hath he quickened who were dead in their trespasses and sin. Listen, their body is alive, but their spirit is dead. So we find spiritual death. We find physical death that we're very well acquainted with and that everybody's familiar with. And then the Bible says, uh, thirdly, uh, that there is a second death. Now you're scratching your head. You're saying, well, that's the second death. Why is that? Because most people can't see or understand or even comprehend the spiritual death. They're born dead. And so they have no comprehension of it. Physical death, they see. They realize. The second death will be something that the spiritual dead will experience when they die physically. The Bible says that they'll go to a place that's called hell. And at the end, towards the end of the book of Revelation, it says, And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. And so through death, we understand, hey, the payment for sin is a, uh, is a spiritual death, a physical death, and a uh, second death or the eternal death in the lake of fire, or it's a punishment. And so we find that that is uh, very true in the gospel that is revealed. The fact that, hey, people need to be saved. What do they need to be saved from? They need to be saved from eternal damnation in the lake of fire. That's what they're saved from. And that reveals and it helps us understand there is a punishment to come. There is something that uh, awaits us after death. And I want you to notice that uh, this punishment is revealed from heaven. It's not uh, mankind. It's not something that, hey, we're going to punish sin. We're going to take care of this. No, this is God dealing with sin. This is not something that man does. And so we find the revelation of, of punishment in this passage, uh, from heaven. And the wrath of God is revealed through the gospel. And not only that, but I want you to notice the, who's the punishment for. The Bible says here, uh, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. And so we find ungodliness, which would be the sin against God. In other words, they would live ungodly. They would go against the concepts of God. Unrighteousness would be sins against man. They would go against uh, mankind with their sin. Maybe they would cheat or steal or uh, hurt other mankind, and that would go against mankind. And then there's the, uh, the, the sin of unbelief. In other words, that they would understand and realize, hey, there is a God, but they don't care that there is a God. And they're going to live their life how they want. And we find the revelation uh, of punishment. 
And as we think about that, we see the revelation of uh, Jesus Christ in perfection, and then we see the revelation of, uh, of, of punishment. And then I want you to see the last part in verse 18. The last part, the Bible says, who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Now, what is that talking about? It's talking about people who hold the truth in unrighteousness. What does that mean? Go with me to 19. The Bible says, because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. That word manifest means to show uh, or to, to clearly show. So we find that uh, because that which may be known of God is manifest. And I want you to understand and realize that the revelation uh, is in the product. In other words, God created man. And in mankind is the idea and concept that, hey, there is something greater out of there. Out there. There's something bigger than I am. Um, somebody said this, uh, they, they had studied anthropology in college, which anthropology is simply the study of man. And he said this, anthropologists have never found a culture that doesn't have some kind of religion. You think about all the different kinds of forms of man. You think about uh, the people over in Asia. They have many religions. Uh, India is one of, uh, they have lots of gods. Africa, they have lots of gods. You think about uh, South America. Uh, listen, they were conquered by the Catholics. And so by and large, all the Latin American countries in Central and South America are Catholic. But even before Catholicism, they, were, they had some kind of religion. They had Indian gods that they believed in. Why is that? Because inside of man is given the idea that, hey, there is a God out there. And that's what the Bible is saying here. He's saying it's manifest. Look with me again in verse number 19. He says, because that which may be known of God is manifest, where? In them. Who are them? Who hold the truth in unrighteousness. It's not just saved people that, that are revealed that idea. It's people who are lost are revealed that, hey, there's a God out there. There's something bigger than me. Uh, and that's why men worship the sun and the stars and the moon. And that's why they have the God of the river and the God of the rain and the God of the harvest and the God of this and the God of that. Why? Because they recognize, hey, that there is a God. Uh, it's very clear. And the Bible says that. And Paul is saying, listen, it's been revealed in all of mankind that there is a God. And we see that. And even, listen, the whole idea of atheism is that they deny that, it's a, that there is a God. Um, but even if all of mankind became atheistic and denied the existence of God, it's clearly stated in verse 19, and I'll take what the book says over what all of man can mount together in all of their wisdom. Because the Word of God stands true. And, and the fact is that God has revealed it in them, whether they accept it or not, it's there. And so we find that the manifest uh, is in the product. It's, it's revealed inside of the product, inside of every person. Not only that, but look with me at verse number 20. For the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world 
are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Not only is it manifest within mankind that there is a God, but it's manifest all over creation. And the fact that uh, creation cries out that, hey, there is a God, it amazes me time and time again. And I know I've said this, and I'll say it a, a, a hundred times, but when you walk through creation, I like to go hiking, I like to go fishing, I like to go hunting, I like to be out in nature. And, and when I'm out in nature, I just marvel at God's creation. It's amazing. I remember one time I was hiking, and, and, uh, and I was hiking through the woods, and, and as I did, I, I looked down and I saw this little, I don't remember what it was, I, it might have been a beetle or, or a spite, I don't remember, uh, but whatever it was, the color of it was incredible. And I remember, man, I, I got, I thought, I got to look at this thing. Man, I, I got closer and I was looking at this thing and I thought, you know, uh, Crayola didn't create all those colors. Sorry, Crayola. God's got it all over you. He's got more brilliant color in creation than you have put in your box. Even if you buy the 256 pack. God's still got more color out there. And the more you see of creation, the more you realize, man, this didn't just happen by accident. And anybody who thinks that is just totally denying God and deny, because they choose to. And man will rationalize and man will, will teach it to, they, they put it in all our public schools. You want to know a weird thing? I was in Peru, South America, and I was on Lake Titicaca, which is uh, one of the higher, highest elevated lakes in South America, I believe. And, and on there, they have floating islands. It was a crazy thing. And, 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 uh, and you walk on these islands, and it's reeds that's floating on top of the lake. And there, they had a Catholic church on that island. And so I, we were in there. We were just kind of touring the island. So I walked in the island, and in the back of the Catholic church was a, 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 a sign on the wall that depicted apes transforming into men. I was blown away. I thought, how can any institution deny God of the basic fact that, hey, He created the entire world? We didn't come from apes. But they'll proclaim that in every institution of education. Hey, that's what they're teaching our kids in our schools. Uh, they won't teach them that God created the world. But you read the beginning of the Bible and you find out that, hey, God did create the world. God made the light. God made the darkness. God formed the world. God put the clouds around it. God hung all the stars in the space. God took and made man, and he made all the animals. And by the way, as you read down through there in Genesis, you'll find that every one of those animals reproduce after their kind, the Bible says. You know what that means? A dog will always breed another dog. You will never have a dog that is going to give birth uh, to a kangaroo. It's not going to happen. It just doesn't even fit with Scripture. God was very clear when He laid it all out. By the way, that is the order of creation. God has made so many marvelous uh, facts in creation over and over again. Uh, you think all those stars, they just set out there in space on their own? You think that the world just, just happens to uh, uh, circle around the sun in a perfectly timed fashion by accident? You take a stick of dynamite, you go down to the junkyard. 
and you throw it in the middle of a, a bunch of cars, and you see if a Chevy Chevette pops out. And if it does, you drive it home and you let me know. Explosions do not create something. Anybody who has built something, anybody who owns a home, anybody who is responsible for something else knows that if it is left unattended, it will break down and destroy itself. If you have a house, uh, you have to pay attention to it. This morning I was up early and I was studying and I was sitting there and, and all of a sudden I heard uh, water running. And uh, in our fridge, it fills the ice cube trays. And I thought, well, you know, it's just filling the ice cube trays. And then it kept running. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm reading, and I'm studying, and, and, uh, and it kept running. And I've become alarmed. I tell you what, there's nothing that will get a homeowner off their couch faster than hearing running in water when it's not supposed to be running. And I was the only one up in the house. So, man, I ran out, and I, I, I pushed the fridge out, and, and, uh, and I'm looking for water, and I didn't see any water, and I, I think it was just draining uh, out of the freezer, I don't know, condensation or something, and, and I found where it was actually draining into the pan, and it was all fine. There was no problem. But, uh, but if you don't pay attention to things, it tends to disorder, not to order, not to complex creatures not to uh, reason and, and to logic. You don't take an illogical animal and then over time it evolves and changes into a logical, reason, reasoning person. That doesn't happen. Nowhere in, in, in history have that ever taken place. Birds always bring forth birds. Dogs always bring forth dogs. And creation and every, every, uh, every society of man understands that, except for the educated scientific societies who are higher than God. They don't understand that. But everyone else knows that to be true. And so we find that, uh, listen, even in creation, the Bible is very clear that it cries out that there is a God. The Bible says in Psalm 19 and verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. I thought that was interesting because uh, during the daytime, you know all those stars? They're still out there in space, but you can't see them. I thought that was interesting. I thought, you know, that's amazing. And that sun goes down. Uh, and the sun really doesn't go down, the earth moves, but nonetheless, uh, that sun goes down and you look out and the stars start to come out. And you're like, man, that is amazing to watch those things. To see the moon as it runs on a complete cycle and, and, and it controls the tides and, and all of science is just amazing. Now you can take all of that and you can run away from God, but if you take all of that and you run towards God, it's like, what an incredible God we serve that created all of that. And the Bible says in verse number 20, for the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Listen, it's visible and it's evident in creation. It's visible and it's evident in consistency. The Bible says in Acts chapter number 14, verse number 17. Turn over there with me, if you will. Acts 14, 17. I want you to see this verse. It's, it's an interesting verse. I don't know that I ever saw it in this light. Acts 14, 17. The Bible says this. 
Nevertheless, he left not himself without witness in that he did good and gave us rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, filling our hearts with food and gladness. In Bible times, they were much more associated with farming than we are in our day. And you know what? They knew the consistency and the needfulness of rain. And they were grateful to God when it did rain and when harvest came and those crops came up. You can be the best farmer in the world, but listen, if it doesn't rain and you don't have a way to pump water to all of those crops, I'm not talking about a little garden, I'm talking about a big field. You don't have a way to irrigate that field and it does not rain, then you're not going to have crops. You can, you can do with it whatever you want, but they're not going to come up and they're not going to produce. And if they do, they'll be small and frail and weak little crops. They will not be something that is worthwhile. And why is that? Hey, Because God is the one that provides the rain. God is the one that provides the season. And everybody on the planet that is associated with gardening and associated with that understands and realizes, man, our God is awesome. That He provides seasons of growing. And, and life on earth. Listen, they're looking for life on Mars. Isn't it odd? They say if they find two cells that would even vibrate together on Mars, they would declare it life, but they can't figure out that two cells in a womb is life. You see how inconsistent it is? You see how we, we talked about that Wednesday, the circular reasoning of the foolishness when you admit God. Isn't it crazy they'll say, follow the science, but... But when they, when they go to find, find out a gender, oh, we don't know about that science. Doesn't that make you scratch your head? It's pretty cut and dry. And the Bible's clear. And God has revealed it in creation the way He has made things and how consistent and how things run on a timely schedule. And you could go on and on and on studying creation. I'd encourage, if, you have, if you're interested in science, I, mean, I encourage you to study it. Find it out. Don't take all the baloney and garbage that they'll throw at you for creation and evolution and understand that, hey, we have a Creator that does know what He's doing and He has revealed Himself throughout creation. And there are so many things that you could look at in science. I, I enjoy it. I, I, I enjoy reading about it. I don't know all of it off the top of my head, but to me it interests me to see God in creation. He's revealed Himself inside of us, and He has revealed Himself outside of us in the world that we see in the creation that we live in every day. We can see the revelation uh, of of. Uh, perfection in the life of Jesus Christ. We can see the revelation of punishment in, in, in sin and the need to be saved and be born again. And we can see revelation of God Himself in the product, that being us and in creation. And I'm glad that God did reveal Himself. And He says in the last part of that verse, He says, so that they are without excuse. Remember, they didn't have the Bible. They didn't have the Gospel. But God had revealed enough that, hey, if, if they recognized it and they saw it, that, hey, they were without excuse. And God expects us to reach the world with the gospel. That's what he told his disciples. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And that's what we have a responsibility to do because, listen, most people are not going to go to Walmart and buy a Bible. 
most people are not going to uh, look up uh, Anchor Baptist Church on the Internet. Why? I wonder how you get saved. They're not going to look that stuff up. You know what they need? They need somebody who is going to tell them and say, look, Jesus Christ loves you. God cares about you. And He died on the cross to save you from your sins. And to bring it up to them so that they realize, wow, you know what? There is a God out there. And our life ought to reveal God to the lost and dying world. As we stand to our feet with our heads bowed and our eyes closed this evening, three things that God revealed in this passage. Now, I really wanted to get into the second part of that, that chapter 1. There's no way we'd get through it all. I've, I know what's coming, and I want to take the time to go through all of that. I think it's important. The revelation, God has revealed Himself to the world. He's revealed salvation in the life of Jesus Christ. He's revealed punishment in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And He's revealed Himself through creation that we can see. Father, I pray that You'd help each and every one of us to live a godly life and to live by faith. And God, to help us to be giving the gospel to the lost and dying world. May it be on our hearts and our minds and on our lips as we go through the week. God, many people, we may be the only Bible they ever read. We may be the only Christian influence in their life. Help us to be an influence. Help us to proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ to the lost and dying world. Thank you, God, for while the tremendous blessing that we have to have your word, your whole word completed in our language, accessible to us in such an easy format everywhere. God, may we not take that for granted. May we be grateful for the complete and comprehensive revelation that we hold in our hands. Well, thank you for that. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, if God's spoken to your heart, the altar's open.